1 Timothy chapter number 4. 1 Timothy chapter number 4. I've been in this chapter, in this book, for a couple services. Last Sunday morning, we found ourselves here. And then last service, last time we met this morning, we found ourselves in 1 Timothy as well. We looked at the first six verses, I believe it was, and then we um, left the few verses and went to verse number 12 this morning. And I want to go back, and I don't want to neglect these few verses, 7 and 8, 9, 10, and 11 here in this chapter. I appreciated you this morning uh, listening attentively as we looked at that passage of Scripture. Well, I was tired out after preaching it twice this morning. I was tired out. I was tired out of the first time, and uh, really tired after the second time. There's so much in that. Paul is... Paul is realizing this, that his time is short. And Paul takes very serious what the Lord has entrusted him with. And Paul is doing everything he can to invest his life into a generation that will carry on what the Lord's given him. We benefit from that. Do you realize that? What we are learning, what we are teaching, it's been handed down from generation to generation. Somebody cared enough for you to give you the gospel. How many of you grew up in in church? How many of you have memories of Sunday school? I do. I I, I, um, grew up in... uh, I've mentioned this plenty of times to you, my dad. We'd, um, we didn't grow up in a, a church like this. We were starting churches. We had Sunday school on buses. We had Sunday school in closets. I remember, I remember one place we had Sunday school. It was, in a, it was underneath the stairwell. It was just a little closet, and we could put four or five people in there, and so we had a Sunday school class right in there. Moved the brooms out and put the kids in. Had Sunday school. There were times that things were growing and, and uh, couldn't build buildings fast enough, especially if you were starting churches. You just really rented uh, a storefront or really whatever you could use. And, and sometimes it seemed like the church grew quicker than the, than the space that we had and, and classes were everywhere. And I have fond memories of, of being in classes and hearing the, hearing the Bible taught. Somebody investing. I think we ought to, don't, we don't give credit and, and, and say thank you enough, but those of you that teach Sunday school, that teach children and teenagers, I pray God blesses you richly for investing in the life of children and teens. It's important. What you do is vitally important because what you're doing is you're taking the truths of God and you're putting them in the hearts of a young person in hopes that they'll take that, they'll receive that, they'll believe it, they'll live it, and they'll do what you've done, invest it in the life of somebody else. Could you imagine what Christianity would be if everyone stopped investing in somebody else? It'd die. Like anything else, it'd die. Somebody has to have a passion and find a Timothy and a Titus and a Philemon, find somebody and, and, and invest it in their life and encourage them with it. 
And Paul is Paul has spent time personally with Timothy. Now Timothy is at a place where Timothy is pastoring. He's at Ephesus. He's standing like I'm standing, or maybe he's sitting and in in teaching and having a Bible study with those that he is he is uh, uh, giving the instruction to. And what he's giving them is what Paul gave to him. Timothy is looking to find a Timothy. I'd encourage every Christian, find a Timothy and invest in them. Give them what you've been taught. So we find here in chapter number 4 that Paul is giving Timothy instruction. We saw this in verse number 6. He says, uh, Timothy, to, 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 thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Remember that message. And, and, and uh, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine. And he says this of Timothy, whereunto thou hast attained. He says, Timothy, you have come to the place that I've taught you. You know, that's a, that's a, a, a wonderful statement. That's an encouraging statement. What Paul is saying, Timothy, the things that I've taught you, you have attained to, you have become. You've come to the place where the things that I've invested in your life, you're living those things. And you're caring about giving those to the generation behind you. Then we saw this morning where this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. We talked about salvation. You're saved. I am saved from the penalty of sin. The, the moment I trust Jesus Christ as my Savior, I am saved from the penalty of sin. Heaven is my home. Death has no hold upon me and hell has no hold upon me. Satan has no hold upon me because I am saved from the penalty of sin. And I'm being saved from the hold that sin has. I don't have to give in to temptation. I'm being sanctified. And then, then we saw that I shall be saved in, 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 in glorification. One day I'm going to be at a place where there is no more sin. And listen to me, Christian, that is going to be a, a wonderful place. No more sin. No more sin, no more temptation, no more battles, no more fighting, no more pain, no more suffering, no more sickness. We're going to be in a glorified body. What a wonderful day that's going to be. I believe this. I believe it's coming soon. I really do. I believe that at any moment, I believe that Christ could come as we're sitting in this meeting this evening. I believe that Trump can sound and we can be taken out of this world. I believe that. I believe it's true. And we ought to live our life in that way that it is going to happen. We ought to live our life. That Jesus Christ can come at any moment. I believe that would cause us to live our life in such a way where we are doing what God has called us to do and has instructed us to do. And we find here in 1 Timothy chapter number 4, I want to bring your attention to verse number 7 this, this evening. And the Bible says this, but refuse profane and old wives' fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little. But godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that it now is. And, and, and see what he says here, and of that which is to come. 
We don't believe in incarnation, so we know he's not talking about, you know, living this life and then coming back as something else. What is he talking about there? That which is to come, that's going to be glory. That's going to be when we see Jesus. That's when we are, uh, those that are saved will be either raptured out or go by the way of death. But one day we are going to be in that life, that which is to come in verse number eight. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. For therefore we both labor. I want you to see that word we. For therefore he is speaking to, to Timothy and he says, you and I. For therefore you and I, we both labor and suffer reproach. Because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. These things command and teach. Here is another instruction that Paul is giving to Timothy, and he says, these things command and teach. Several times throughout this chapter, and, and I've, I've enjoyed studying this chapter, uh, I took a, a course in Bible college on these epistles, and, and uh, boy, I, as I've even studied and readied myself to preach these three messages, I've even dug in even further into these uh, passages of Scripture, and I see some things that I've, I've just not seen before. Often in this chapter, this one chapter, Paul is instructing Timothy, teach, be, be teaching what you know to those that are hearing, you're responsible. He says this, to be a good minister, you've got to, to, to give these things, put these things in remembrance. And then he says in verse number 11, these things command and teach. He's giving Timothy the instruction. What I'm telling you is so important that you ought to live it and you've got to give it to those that are hearing you. The church has to hear this. So I want to talk to you about these things here this evening. But refuse profane in old wise fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. You know what are what you are doing is producing something. What you're doing is producing something, and what you're not doing is producing something as well. Get that. What you're doing for the Lord is producing something, or what you're not doing for the Lord is producing something as well. You know, we are, we are becoming something, aren't we? As we live our life, we're becoming something. We're either growing or we're going backwards. Really, there is no in-between. You're becoming something either less than we ought to be or more than we ought to be, but we're becoming something. Are you becoming more than you ought to be or are you becoming less than God desires for you to be? If you're not growing as a Christian, if you're not growing in your walk with the Lord, then you're not becoming what He wants you to be. You're, you're, you're doing the opposite. God wants you to become something for Him. God wants this church to become something. The reason why Paul was giving this to Timothy and he's commanding Timothy to give this to the church because yes, as individuals, God wants us to become something, but as a called out assembly, as a local church, he wants a church to become something as well. He's challenging Timothy with this. Notice verse 10. If you have a habit of writing and circling or underlining your Bible, notice that he says we. 
He says, we, we are, we are both laborers and we suffer reproach. You, you, know, you know what he's saying? We're in this thing together. Paul is reminding Timothy, you're not alone. Paul is reminding Timothy, as we suffer and as we, as we uh, uh, go through this Christian life, we're not alone. I'm in this thing with you, he's saying. Paul is studying this chapter. Paul is wanting Timothy to do something unusual with his life. How many of you this evening, and you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you this evening, you want to do something unusual with your life? I know I do. I don't want to go through life and just living and then die. I want to do something unusual. I want to live in a life in such a way where God receives glory. Something, something significant happening. There's a young, uh, young man, he's got Down syndrome, and he's preached, I've heard him preach several times, his name is Paul Thomas, and he preaches this message, Dream Big Dreams. He's got Down syndrome, and, and, and anyone would look at uh, his, his birth and his upbringing, and they would think, there's no way, there's no way that, you know, God, or what could God use with a young man that's got Down syndrome? That man, young man has gone around, and, and he has preached, and he has encouraged, and he has helped people, and he has been a great blessing to people, and he has this message, dream big dreams. Do something big for God. Dream big dreams. I think Paul is instructing Timothy here in this chapter in trying to get Timothy to get to the place. He talks a lot about faith through this entire chapter. He talks about faith. Look in verse number 6. He says, nourished up in the words of faith. And, and he's, he's saying to Timothy, I want you to nourish up yourself and, and live a life of faith. And we saw this morning and in, in verse number 12, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith. He's encouraging Timothy to live a life of faith. The only way a believer can do something unusual, the only way a believer can, can dream big dreams is if a believer is dedicated and willing to live a life of faith. The Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. A Christian is never going to fulfill what God wants for their life if that Christian is not willing to live a life of faith. If they're just willing to take it easy and not take risks, they're never going to accomplish what God desires for them to accomplish in life. God desires the Christian to live by faith. And when a Christian lives by faith, then God can do something great so that he receives glory in that person's life. We need to see great things done for the Lord. I want you to see, first of all, this evening, every Christian has choices to make. Every Christian has choices to make. If you're taking notes, write that down. If you're not taking notes, write it down. Because every single Christian has choices to make. Every one of us made choices today. Some good, some not good. My wife has decided that she is not eating bread 
for some reason, my wife, I think we got it mixed up. She wants to eat healthy and lose some weight, and I think it's me that needs to eat healthy and lose some weight. So we are sitting there at lunch, and this bread gets put in front of us, and she has the willpower. She says, nope, I'm not eating it. I don't, I don't know how a person can go past the refrigerator when there's ice cream in the freezer and not open that door and eat it. Matter of fact, let me help you. If you ever come to our house and eat ice cream, only eat out of the container that no one's ever been in yet. Because I promise you, there are spoons that have been placed in that container. I know it's gross, but I know my kids. <laughs> and I know myself. <laughs> you know, every one of us, Every one of us are going to make choices. Look with me in verse number seven. He says this, but refuse profane and old wise fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. He's saying to Timothy here, there's choices that you must make. You can either give your, give your ear to, to uh, profane and old wise fables, or you can exercise thyself rather unto godliness, but it's one or the other. You can, you can listen to things that are going to preoccupy your time. You're going to listen to things that are going to uh, cause you to, to, to go backwards in your, your relationship with the Lord. Or you can on purpose exercise godliness. But you've got to make a choice. Write this down. There's choices that every Christian must make. He says this, you must refuse and exercise. You've got to refuse and exercise, he says here in verse number seven. And the choice we make, it has a great effect on our lives. Listen to me, Christian tonight, the choices that we make, they have great effects on our lives. What Paul, I believe, is trying to get Timothy to understand is every one of us have choices and choices are important. There are some of us this evening that are dealing with some consequences because of choices that we made in life. And every one of us, every one of us are going to deal with the choice that we make. These are good notes for God for God, isn't it? Huh? Turn with me, if you would, please, to Hebrews, just a few chapters over. Hebrews chapter number 11 here this evening. Hebrews chapter number 11. I want you you to find with me verse number 23. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 23, the Bible says, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and, and, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, I want you to see this in verse number 24, by faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused. Do you see that? Refused. He made a choice. Hebrews chapter 11, he's giving us an example of a man that made a choice. Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Moses had an opportunity. He could have been uh, uh, number one in in Egypt. He was the son of, of Pharaoh's daughter. But he made a choice. What he said is, I'm going to choose to refuse. I'm not going to partake of the things that the Egyptians have. I'm not going to live the life that they desire for me to live. I'd rather, I'd rather live like the people of God than live like the Egyptians live. That was a choice that Moses had made. Every one of us in life have choices. 
Moses didn't want to go, didn't want the riches of Egypt. He wanted the uh, uh, life of the, the Jews there that were living there in Egypt at the time. You know, one of the most difficult things in life is to refuse things, isn't it? You can say amen right there. One of the most difficult things in life is to refuse. Refuse. Say no. Push away. I believe this, Christian. Satan knows that. He knows the hardest thing for us to do is refuse something our flesh wants. Our flesh desires. Think about the choices that you make, the choices that you're going to make, the consequences, the negative consequences that come to your life. Most of the time they come because you chose not to refuse something. What Paul is saying to Timothy here is, I want you to refuse listening to profane and, and wives' fables. I want you to refuse that, but rather exercise. Make a choice that's going to benefit your life spiritually than to make a choice of getting something your flesh wants at that moment. A Christian that wants to be nourished up doesn't have time for fables and why. Uh, doesn't have time for profane and wise fables. In verse number 6, Paul is saying to Timothy that you've attained to this. You've, you've, you've nourished up yourself. And what, what he's saying to Timothy is you've made good choices. And I don't want to belabor this, this point here this evening, but I believe this, Christian, many of us are not doing and being what God desires for us to be because we're not making the right choices in life. Know this, Satan is going to throw things at you constantly. And every day, you as a child of God, you must determine that you are going to make choices that cause you to become more like Christ, not cause you to get deeper into things of this world. Choices. Every, every Christian has choices to make. And he says, exercise or nourish up, choosing godliness. Secondly, I want you to see this evening, verse uh, number 8. Turn back with me to 1 Timothy chapter number 4. Look with me in verse number 8. For bodily exercise profit little. Some of us really believe that verse, don't we? <laughs> bodily exercise profit little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. Having promise of life that now is and of that which is to come. Secondly, if you're taking notes, write this down. Our choices affect, our choices affect us in time now and eternity. The choices we make will affect now and eternity, he says. You know, we're not living. We ought as Christians, we ought not be living for the here and now. The choices we make, we ought to be looking to eternity, not the, not the things today. Christians, we ought to be looking, knowing this, that the choices we make, they're going to affect eternity. He says this here in, in, in uh, uh, this verse, uh, having, having promised the life that now is and of that which is to come. So bodily exercise compared to godliness, he's saying here, which is better? And he's not saying that exercise is a, a bad thing. What he's saying is this, though. Bodily exercise, it, it's little compared to us exercising godliness and living a godly life. Making choices toward God. Exercising faith in God. 
is what he's doing here. Hebrews chapter 11. Go back to Hebrews chapter 11. Just keep your, keep your finger there if you would, please. I want to go back there. And I want you to see the Bible lists Christians that made right choices thinking of eternity and not thinking of the temporal. Thinking of the eternal in verse number one, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand the words, worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. He says this, even faith causes us to know this, that God said, let there be light. There wasn't a maker that took uh, things and created something. The maker created everything after, out of nothing. That takes faith takes faith he says this he goes on to say for by faith abel offered unto god a more excellent sacrifice than cain by which he obtained witness that he was righteous god testifying of his gifts and by it he he being dead yet speaketh he he uh, offered unto god see because he trusted god he did exactly what god told him to do not what he thought made sense for the moment he did what god told him to do here we find abel lived by faith the decisions abel made were made by faith Look at me in verse number 7. The Bible says, By faith Noah, being warned of God, things not, not seen as of yet, moved with fear, preparing an ark to the saving of his house. Noah, by faith, built something. God said it's going to rain, and Noah said, what's that? He said there's going to be a flood. There's going to be rain that comes from heaven, and I'm going to flood the entire earth. Noah built an ark and had never seen rain. That takes faith. It isn't just that this, this ark is going to float. The faith came that the fact it was going to rain. He had never seen it. It's going to flood the earth, and he believed it. He made a good choice. He could have said, God, I, I don't know what rain is, and, and, and I'm not quite sure what a flood is, and I'm not quite sure what an ark is. But by faith, he made right choices. And after years and years and years of, of hammering nails and, 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 and putting wood together, this ark appeared because he had faith. Do you realize this? Noah couldn't go to Google and say, Google, tell me what a ark looks like. How many of you have seen the ark down in Kentucky? Do you know they could build that because there was a blueprint in the Bible? Noah didn't have it. And from what I understand, from what I understand, they used the Bible to exact dimensions of what that ark would look like. So that ark looks like the ark that Noah built. They used the Bible. Noah didn't go into Genesis and say, all right, let me go find out what Genesis says and how big this ark was. Noah had to listen to God. That requires faith. He couldn't run down to Kentucky and see an ark. He couldn't run to a, a shipyard and see a boat being built. This was something that had never been done before. But Noah, by faith, did what God told him to do. He made the right choice. Follow along with me, if you would, please, by faith. In verse number 8, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go into the place which he should uh, after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. Here we find a story of Abraham. Abraham, God said, Abraham, I want you to leave where you're at and go to a place, and I'm going to tell you about the place only when you get there. Abraham couldn't map it out. There were no maps. 
And even if there was, he didn't know where to go because he was going by faith. Listen, what I'm trying to show you this evening is this. There are choices that we must make, and we must make these choices by faith if we're going to be pleasing the Lord. Sometimes, Christian, sometimes making choices and making decisions by faith don't always make sense. I talk to a lot of people, they make decisions by pros and cons. I want to suggest sometimes it's not about if there's less, less uh, cons or more cons or more pros or less pros. Sometimes it's just simply about God said it and I'm going to do it. Period. That's called faith. Follow along with me if you would, please. In verse number 22, by faith, Joseph, when he, was, when he died, made mention of departing of the children of Israel and gave commandments concerning his bones. Joseph was used by God. Joseph was put into prison, but he had faith. Joseph, Joseph was, was uh, uh, sold by his brothers into uh, 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 slavery, but he still had faith. And he said, don't leave my bones in, in, in Egypt. Take them. He even had faith that God was going to deliver the people out of Egypt back into the promised land. He said, take me when you go. There's faith. Faith. Our choices affect us in time and eternity. I think you'd say this this evening as well. I want to be a person of great faith. I want to Walk by faith. Be obedient to the Lord. In Christian, I believe this. It happens by making the right choices. Faith is a choice. It doesn't happen by accident. You choose to walk by faith. Noah chose to listen to God and build the ark. Abel chose to sacrifice, cho- chose to make the sacrifice that God told him to make. Abraham chose to leave Ur the Chaldees and go to a place that he hadn't ever been before and he wasn't even quite sure where he was going. Joseph, by faith, chose that he was going to stay faithful to God in the prison cell and in the pit and in the castle. He chose to, to stay faithful by faith. Look at verse number nine. Go back to 1 Timothy, if you would please, and look at verse number nine. Paul says to Timothy, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. He says, take heed. What he's saying is this, don't miss this. This is important. Did you ever say to your children, listen closely? She's talking to someone that's important. You don't think they're listening. You're saying this, listen to me. This is vital. You can't miss this. You can't skip over this. And I, I believe that's what Paul says in verse number nine. This is a faithful saying and worthy. You've got to get this. You've got to get this. This is important. Don't just skip over this, Timothy. We labor. We press on. We do what we do because we, we trust in the living God. You see that here? Look with me in verse number 10. For therefore, we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God. He is giving us now the reason. Number three, the reason we deal with the things that we do is because we trust in the living God. Why do we do what we do as a church? Why do you do what you do as a Christian? 
you, why did you come today? Why do we sing? Why did you tithe today? Why did you teach your Sunday school class? Or why did you sing special music today? Why did you play the instruments today? Why did you stand here and sing today? Why did you teach at a children's church? Why did you work out in the parking lot? Why did you usher? Why did you work in guest services today? Why did you, why did you deal with those fussy babies in the nursery? Somebody cleaned today. Why did they do that? They'll come on Wednesday and they, the a grown adults put shirts on with badges. Why do they do that? Why do adults mess up their hair and have crazy hair at night? Why do we have people that dress up like bears on Sunday morning? Because we're foolish? Because we have nothing else to do? Because we have nothing else worth giving for? Why do we come Saturday morning and have a, have a breakfast? Why do men get up early and prepare that breakfast? Why do we have fellowship? Why do we open the Word of God? Why will the ladies meet and have a ladies' Bible study? Why do we do these things? I'll tell you why we do those things. The Bible shows us right here. We do those things because we trust in the living God. That's why we do these things. We're not playing church. We trust in the living God. Why does a young lady get up here with a, a, a guitar and play and sing? Because she trusts in the living God. Why didn't do we have someone just a, a several years older that getting ready to, to, to be engaged and be married? Why does she sing this song? Why does she sing and, and use her talents for the Lord? Because she trusts in the living God. That's why. Why, do, why does Paul Savage drive, he and his wife drive, two hours on a Saturday night to spend all day on Sunday with us to drive back home and start his week over again? Why would he do such a thing? Because he's trusting the living God. Why? Why would a man leave a church in Georgia and move to northwest Ohio where it was 18 degrees when I got in my car this morning. Never had to defrost my windshield in Georgia. Never had to do such a thing. Didn't realize how important starters were, those things on your key fob. Tyler leased my car to me, and he said, you're going to want this. I said, why do I want that? I know I want it now. Heated seats. Why would someone leave the South to enjoy heated seats? <laughs> Same reason why you do it is because we trust in the living God. That's why we do it. Why do we support missionaries around this world? Because we trust in a living God. Why do we share the gospel of Jesus Christ with someone? Because we trust in a living God. Why do we give out tracts? Why, why do we have ministries? Why do we have grief sharing, God for God, and men's Bible studies, and Awana? And, and why do we have these things? Because we trust in a living God is why we do what we do. Do you understand if it wasn't for that, we look foolish? Somebody says, if you go to work on Monday, brother, and say you, you give 10% of your income and you dress up like a bear every other week at church, they would say you're crazy out of your mind. And he is crazy and out of his mind, but he still trusts in the living God. 
truth. And that's why he says this. Don't listen to, to, to profane in, in, in babblings. Don't listen to negativity. Don't listen to the things that, that Satan's going to try to destroy what you're doing. Don't give ear to Satan who's going to try to stop doing what you're doing. Remember you do what you do because there is a living God and that's who we serve. Satan's going to do everything he can to get your ear towards something that's going to bend your ear away from the things of God, get you discouraged about the things of God. But God is, God is faithful and He's just and He blesses those that walk by faith. In what he says here, Paul says to Timothy, don't forget those things. Don't give your ear to something that's going to confuse you. Don't give your ear to something that's going to cause you to go backwards. Don't give your ear to something that's going to cause you not to serve God. Be your best for God. You can only be your best for God if you decide and make choices. I'm going to live by faith. Why would a person live by faith? Because we serve a living God. He's real. Aren't you so glad that we don't come into church and we see statues? Aren't you so glad that you don't come in and there's a big guy with a shirt off? Aren't you glad that we don't serve a prophet that's got a grave? Aren't you glad that as we come into church, we don't have to walk by all the saints and all the statues that we pray to, hoping they'll hear us? We serve a living God. We know this, that Jesus Christ sits at the right hand, making intercession for us. When we bow our heads, we're bowing our heads, and we are entering into the presence of a living God. That's why we do what we do. We've got to be nourished up. Romans 10, 17. Just flip over there with me if you would, please. I feel like preaching tonight. Romans. Chapter number 10. I'm just going to get you fired up for skating. Romans chapter number 10, the Bible says in verse number 17, so then by faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I need more faith. It's available. Aren't you so glad that's true? Faith cometh by hearing. You know what it means? I can get more faith. My faith can be increased. You've not maxed out on faith, Christian. There's more to have. There's more to do. There's more to accomplish. You've not hit your level and say, I'm living by faith enough. There's no more faith to have. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The more we get into the word of God, the greater faith we'll have. And what he's encouraging Timothy to do is, Timothy, stay by the stuff. Don't give your ear to, to fables. Don't give your ear to something that's going to discourage you. Stay by the faith. Live by faith. Trust in a living God. And the more you trust in God, the more you get your nose in the word of God, the more you spend time with prayer, the more faith that you're going to increase. And the more faith that you increase, the more life you're going to live that brings God glory. And that's what the Christian ought to do. Timothy, you have a great opportunity to take hold of it. I believe this, church. We ought to make better choices. He says in verse number six, wherein thou hast attained, he says, Timothy, you're there. Faith to trust in a living God. Church, I believe this, that 
there's still a whole lot God wants you to do and for this church to do. If you believe that, if you believe it, I know it's true. I've been speaking to our advisory board and our staff of some things I believe that God wants our church to do. I believe there's a lot to do. But it's going to take a church of faith to do it. Do you still believe that God can do incredible things? I do. I do. I know He can. I had a family this morning drop a $10,000 check in the offering plate. There's people in this church that still believe that God can. I don't ask who it is, but I like to hear it. There's still people in this church that believe that God can rise up a church to reach this city with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, church, I was reminded by Paul Savage, you know, sometimes things happen around us and we see it, but we don't realize it. It's been a couple weeks since they were here. And they came driving in today and he said, a couple weeks ago I was here, there was no houses being built, and now there's two within half a mile from the church. Where did they come from? God's moving people all around us. I was talking to a member that's been here a long time. Uh, I don't remember who it was now, just recently, and someone said, yeah, when we had the church back in the, back in the day, way back in the day, we're out in the middle of nowhere. We're not in the middle of nowhere anymore. Right in the middle of where God wants us to be. But I believe that God has something for us and we can't sit idle. We've got to be a church of faith. Last 16 months of our church, it's not always been easy. It's not been easy. Last several years of our church, it's not been easy. Not only has the church gone through transitions, some of you in your own life. I look at this dear family every time I preach, and as I look at them every single time, I can't help but think the grief that they're going through. When I came here, I was greeted by Brother Darwin Kaiser and his wife. 
I look now and, oh, there he is. I said, I know, I saw him. His family's gone through grief. Pastor Oscar sits in a, praise the Lord, in his own bed this evening. But many of you have also gone through a place of faith in your life where you've got to trust God. But I believe this, church, that God does things that challenge our faith so we can do greater things for Him. Truth is this. If you knew what I believe God wants us to do, you'd think I'm crazy. You would. You know what I believe? I believe God can pay off our debt. I believe that. You know what else I believe, church? I believe that God is going to have us to buy some property to move our athletic fields to so that we can take our current soccer field and put a parking lot there so more people can come to this church. I believe he's going to do that. You know what I see every time I walk into this auditorium? The balcony. I see it by faith. I see a, I see a, a, a busload of kids leaving here. I see, I see a group of uh, 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 kids playing on a soccer field and small soccer fields and in baseball fields. I, I see God giving us that so that we can continue to grow here. I see God giving us the resources to move a parking lot into our, onto our current soccer field. I see our school growing. I see coming in here and there's people on the second floor, on a balcony, spitting spitballs down at you guys. I see it. In church, you know what I believe? I believe we're going to see it happen. I saw people with joy a year ago. Serving out in doors and in parking lots and in lobbies. I saw it a year ago. You know what I saw this morning? People manning doors. People standing at a welcome center. I saw, I saw uh, ladies, I walked in this morning and, and I couldn't get past that small welcome center out there be, before several ladies came to me and said, hey, you've got to meet, is it, what's his name, Kroger, what's his name? Steve, Kroger Steve, Steve Franklin. I said, who's Sto uh, uh, Kroger Steve? They said he works at the Waterville Kroger and, and everyone knew him. I come in and everyone's around him and his dad and then I find different people knew his family and, and people were excited there is a guest here at church. I walked in the door. I didn't have to open the door myself. There was every door had somebody at it this morning giving bulletins out and shaking hands. I saw it a year ago. 
You remember we rallied everyone together on Christmas Eve and everybody had a job? And I walked in this morning and a year later, they're still serving. You say, what's the big deal about that? Because it takes a level of faith. And you know why people are doing it? Because they believe in a living God. You know what the reality, church? A couple more years of the growth that we've had in our school, and we're out of room. Now, how did that happen? Because in 1999, this church had a level of faith. And now, these several years later, we're at a place, we're seeing great growth. Satan is going to do everything he can to cause you to think your faith is for nothing. And Satan is going to do everything he can to discourage our church from moving forward by faith. And there's going to be some that says, that's, that's foolish. Why would we do such a thing? And our answer to them is this, because we serve a living God. That's why we do things. Why every, every month do we go down into the city and, 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 and share the gospel with those that, that some would say it's not worth the time? Why would we go and serve shelters? Why would we go and serve people that, that uh, are homeless? Why would we do such a thing? Because we serve a living God. Why would so many go down to a church downtown and, 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 and build that thing up and, and, and build it and, and, and fix it and allow people to be able to use a restroom in the church? Because we serve and we believe we serve a living God. I met with another man this week, another pastor this week. He said, I need your help. I'm in a church in Toledo, and this church needs help. And we spent several, several minutes on the phone together and spent some time in my office together. And I knew this. I know that God is going to restore that church, and God is going to build up that church. Why? Because we serve a living God. That's why. That's why we do what we do. That's why we sacrifice. That's why you're sitting in here on a Sunday evening. That's why we sing. That's why we give. That's why we go. That's why we serve. That's why we share. That's why we witness, because we serve a living God. Don't forget that, church. Faith. Faith. Paul said to Timothy, don't give your ear to profane wives' fables. Don't, don't give it to godliness because godliness produces faith and faith produces a life pleasing the Lord. Faith produces a life where God receives the glory. Faith produces a, a, an environment where you look at it and you say, only because of God, only because of God. Faith. Do you have it? Do you want it? Are you ready for God to do what he wants to do next? How's your faith?